Welcome to the Hope United Podcast, where we're creating a culture of worship, family, and discipleship. We hope this message challenges, inspires, and gives you hope today. If you like this podcast, remember to share and subscribe. Today, I want to continue our series. I was thinking about a memory that I had, and that was when I first sang on a big stage, and um, everything was going so good. Until I was about to go on the stage, and I just felt so, so nervous, butterflies in my stomach. I started questioning all of my life's choices and wondering, do, am I even good at singing? And um, as, as I was about to walk out on the stage, um, and there was a couple thousand people out there, I started asking myself, you know, why? Um, why am I doing this? But in retrospect, what I think happened was not necessarily that I all of a sudden couldn't sing or I didn't know the material, I didn't practice the song, but it was rather I was feeling the fear of man. I was afraid of what people might think about what I sang and if I did good or if I did not do good or if they liked the song or if they didn't like me or they didn't like the clothes that I had on or any range of things that I was fearing about how they may look at me. And um, I think many times and on many different levels, we all go through these fears. Maybe you're not on a stage, but you begin to say, what will people think? about me. What will people think about what I'm doing? What will people think about my contribution? What will people think about the decisions that I'm making? What will people think? And um, if God has given you a gift or a a ability, but then you start to worry about what other people will think, you've wrestled with this. You've wrestled with this. So today as we talk about, we continue our series of about no other gods. Today I want to talk to you about the God of public opinion. The God of public opinion. Jeremiah was a young prophet when God started first speaking to him. And God started giving this young man messages to deliver to his people. The nation of Israel was going in the wrong direction really fast. And the kings of Israel had started serving other gods and And uh, so God sends this young man, Jeremiah, to deliver some very important messages to the kings and to the nation. And the message was to turn back to God and to only have one God. Jeremiah 1.8, God basically gives him this warning before he sends him out. He says, do not be afraid of their faces, Jeremiah 1.8, for I am with you. Do not be afraid of their faces. And that's kind of the context of what I want to talk to you about today. God tells Jeremiah, don't look at their faces. Your job is to deliver a message. Your job is to do what I've placed in your heart to do. Don't look at their faces. Don't start fearing man. Don't worry if they look angry. Don't worry if they are sad or indifferent. Just deliver the message. Don't worry about public opinion. 
How many times has God given you something in your heart, something precious to do or to say, but you stopped short of doing it because you were worried about what other people would think? I think it's good to have a healthy awareness of what other people think. That's a good thing. But to put what other people think up on the level of what God has placed in your heart, the dream that God has placed in your heart, or the message that God has placed in your heart, or something that God has told you to do, to be obedient to, and now to put what we think someone else might think of on the same level of that, I believe we've now discovered that we have a new God. We have God, and then we have the God of public opinion. And that's when we get off track is, When the opinion of others becomes just as important or more important than the opinion of God. That's when you have another God. We'll just call this the God of public opinion. Or the God of family opinion. Or you could call it the God of friends' opinions. Have you ever been like Jeremiah? Has God ever given you something precious to do and you had to wrestle with public opinion? It comes to a choice that we make. Will I please God or will I please public opinion? Which one am I going to serve? And Jeremiah was sent to several kings that should have been worshiping God, but instead were worshiping other gods. And God sent Jeremiah to warn them to stop serving other gods. But one of the biggest gods that they were serving was the God of public opinion. One of the kings that he was sent to was King Zedekiah. And King Zedekiah actually at one point wanted to hear what the prophet Jeremiah had to say, but he said, tell it to me privately so the other nobles don't see that I'm listening to you and I'm giving you a favorable response. And ultimately, he was serving the God of public opinion more than he was serving the God of the Bible. And it cost him his house, it cost him his wealth, it cost him his family, it cost him his freedom. He was led away to Babylon in chains. His wives were given away to others. His house was burnt down. His gold was taken. All because he served the wrong God. He was so worried about what other people thought The other people, by the way, that were killed or went into captivity with him. Maybe what you think is so important could actually cause you to lose what you hold dear. Worshiping the God of public opinion seems like the safe choice, but it can cost you everything. While the king was in his palace... Surrounded by his nobles, receiving accolades when he would do what they wanted, everything seemed safe and good and prosperous. But the God of public opinion will change his mind, and without notice, he will be unfair. The king lost his big house, all his possessions. He's carted off to Babylon. We have to be careful what God we serve. Like, really? The God of the Bible says you shall have no other gods except me. When we prioritize what other people think over what God is saying, we serve the God of public opinion. 
I remember when I was a teenager. You remember when you were a teenager? All right. For some people, it's longer ago than others. Um, that's okay. We're not going to talk about that. And you want to be cool. And sometimes, even though you, you're, you're coming to church, um, if you lift up your hand, you've got to lift up your hand in a cool way. And if you move, you just got to kind of move in a cool way. You can't, you can't, can't be uncool because there's other people that are looking at you. <laughs> right? And so, even at a young age, we start to wrestle with the God of public opinion. What does that girl think? What does that guy think? about how I look, do I look smart, do I look intelligent, do I look cool? And even as adults, sometimes we don't grow out of this serving the God of public opinion because as adults, we still want to look smart. We still want to look beautiful. We still want to look like we have it together. We don't want to be balling. Crying. Not the other balling. So we wrestle with the God of public opinion. How does that person on my row, what are they thinking about how I worship? What's that person on the other side of the room, what do they think about me? Not what do I feel about God or how do I want to worship. It's how was my worship perceived by others. It's the God of public opinion. And whether it's praise on Sunday morning or a new idea of a startup that God has given you, are you worried about how you will be perceived? What if someone doesn't like the dream God gave you? What if a family member thinks you're crazy? What if a friend tells you that's stupid? How much sway does that hold over you? Those are the moments that we're wrestling with what God we're going to serve. If God gave you a dream... And you're worried about if other people are going to like it. Are we going to serve the God that gave us the message and gave us the dream and wants to bless us? Are we going to worship the God that tells us to play it safe and push that still small voice down deep? Push it to the side. The God of public opinion parades around as a safe and logical choice. So will you serve the God of public opinion that parades around like it's logical, like it's safe? Or will you serve the God of the Bible that asks us to take leaps of faith? Right? Abraham, leave your homeland, leave your father's house. Go out into the unknown and I'm going to show you a place. Or... The God of public opinion. These are my family gods. These are my family idols. Let me stay in my family house. This is the safe. This is the logical choice. The God of the Bible asks us to make faith leaps. And actually without faith, it's impossible to please God. The public the God of public opinion is on the other side of the spectrum. What will other people think? Make sure that you have put on the right face. Make sure you do what everybody else is doing. This is the way to gain favor. This is the way to live your life. This is the way to be safe, to be secure. 
the God of miracles, the God that turns water, regular stuff, into wine, something fine and rich and successful, is a God of faith, of leaps of faith. The God of public opinion is tricky. He finds ways into our life and tries to make an environment where we listen to him over God. It's like the story with the apostles in Acts 4, 1 through 3. It says, while Peter and John were speaking to the people, they were confronted by the priest. They were doing what Jesus had taught them to do and what Jesus had told them to do. They were talking to the people. They were confronted by the priest, the captain of the temple guard, and some of the Sadducees. And these leaders were very disturbed by Peter and John. Right? What they were doing was against public opinion. They were disturbed by Peter and John. What they were teaching the people that through Jesus there is a resurrection of the dead. And they arrested them. And since it was already evening, they put them in jail until the morning. So Peter and John were doing what God had told them to do. They're doing what Jesus trained them to do. But it was not popular. Some people did not agree. Those people arrested them. And then they're, in, they're interrogating Peter and John. And they told him, do not preach about Jesus ever again. Do not preach about Jesus again. And Peter and John's response was in Acts 4.19. Do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? We cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. And the council then threatened them further. But finally they had to let them go because they didn't know how to punish them without causing a riot. Do you see how many times the God of public opinion pops up? These men were serving the God of public opinion. They thought they were serving God. But they were doing what was tradition, what was acceptable within their group. And they said, if you don't do what we're going to find a way to hurt you, if you don't stop doing what you're doing and do what we're telling you to do, and what's popular and what's acceptable, you have to do this. And then the only reason why they didn't harm them further was because, again, they were concerned about how the people would respond to them beating or them killing Peter and John. Further, the God of public opinion will try to set itself up as an authority in your life, just like these men. These Pharisees and Sadducees had set themselves up as authorities, but they were really no authority at all. These men looked like authorities, they talked like authorities, they sounded intimidating, but they were not true authorities. God had given Peter and John a message. God had given Peter and John a special purpose. And the God of public opinion was trying to get them off track. Here's what the God of public opinion was saying. Just cave in. Just stop talking about Jesus and all this will go away. You will find favor with these men that are upset at you. Everybody will calm down. They're going to release you from prison. 
if you will just obey the God of public opinion? Will you let the God of public opinion cause you to shy back in the pursuit of the things God has designed you for? Will you allow the God of public opinion to get you off track? These men didn't just apply peer pressure. They gave real threats. We live in a world where the God of public opinion has a dominion. And the people that serve him will make real threats. And you have to make a decision. What God do I serve? Even in the face of all that, Peter and John did not cave in. They would only serve the God of the Bible and not the God of public opinion. I've learned these three steps. I want to tell you these three steps. These three steps I learned from Gideon in the book of Judges, chapter 6. We see the story of Gideon, and I want to tell you the three things that I learned from him. These three steps to succeed. Number one, believe. Somebody say believe. Believe. Number two, cut down the idol. Say that. Cut down the idol. Number three, get the victory. Three steps I learned from Gideon. First, believe. Number two, cut down the idol. Number three, get the victory. The victory does not come before you cut down the idol. And, and to cut down the idol, you have to first believe. You first have to have faith. You first have to be stirred in faith. You have to believe. Once your belief grows to the place where it needs to be, then you cut down the idol. And then and only then, once you cut down the idol, you receive the blessing. You get the success. God wants to get you to the place of success, but he's saying, for me to get you to the place of success, first you have to believe. Without faith, it's impossible to please me. Secondly, you're going to have to cut some things out of your life. you got to cut down the idol. Now then, I can get you to the place I wanted to have you all along, which is the place of blessing. Look, it's God's good desire and design for you to be blessed, to prosper as your soul prospers. He wants your family to prosper. He wants you to prosper in your career field. He wants you to prosper in your finances. But to get you to the place of prospering, he has to get you here first. Faith, belief, understanding what God's will is. Now I move here. I cut down the idols in my life. Number three, then I get the victory. Three steps. And this was Gideon's journey, right? Gideon was living in fear, just as all of the townspeople were living in fear. Israel was living in fear from the Midianites. They would literally come down and take their crops every year, driving them into poverty. They would bring their flocks down and let their flocks eat all of their harvest. They take the harvest, let their flocks eat the harvest, let their flocks trample on their harvest. Can you imagine if somebody was allowed to just come in and wreck your business every year? Just once a year or twice a year or however many times they wanted to just come and just set up camp in your office. Steal whatever they wanted to steal, mess up your papers, just throw everything around. 
throw your, crack your monitor, whatever they wanted to do. And that's what was happening to the children of Israel. And so they're living in poverty, not even having enough food. And Gideon is here trying to thresh wheat in secret. He's trying to, in the wine, you're not supposed to thresh the wheat in the wine press. But he's hiding, trying to just scrape by. God comes, he sends him a message, right? He says, mighty man, rise up, believe. I want to do something powerful through you. If you can hear this today, this is a lesson to us. God is coming to you. God is saying to you in this season, he's saying, I want to do something special through you. If you will just raise your level of faith and expectation and believe. Step one, believe. I just want you to believe. Let's start here at the place of belief. Believe in me and believe in yourself so we can go on this faith journey. Believe in me. I'm God. Believe in yourself. Believe in what I've said about you. And it's difficult for Gideon. Gideon said, man, I'm, I'm poor. I'm broke. And I, I'm like, my tribe is the most broke. And I'm the most broke. My family's the most broke of our broke tribe. We're broke. We're living in poverty. We can't even get food stamps. Right? The government's defunct. It's like we got nobody to bail us out. And no, God is saying, no, I'm telling you, I'm going to do something through you. Absolutely. Public opinion. The opinion in the town was that they were losers. They were never going to get out of this. God said, no, I'm choosing you. You are my chosen person. I want you to lead. I want you to take the lead. I, I don't know. You're going to have to show me a sign. And Gideon had faith. He, he had he had issues in the faith department and God had to work with him get get your faith up get your faith up get your faith up so finally he gets his faith up to a decent amount he said now I want you to cut down this idol there's a totem pole an Asherah pole in 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 the town and it's it's right near your house I want you to cut that pole down and so Gideon took all of his faith took a couple of Guys that that were ready to roll with him and in the middle of the night. (laughs) This was as bold as he could be. Not in the middle of the day, not 12 o'clock noon, not the OK Corral. In the middle of the dead of night when everybody was sleeping. Quietly whittle away and bring this thing down. He cut the idol down, made an altar out of the wood. We have to cut the things out of our lives. There's no miracle that's going to happen for you until you cut the idols down. And this idol was entrenched and the people in the town wanted to kill him. They were so upset. They were so upset. They said to his father, bring him out here. We want to kill him right now. Public opinion was, was ruling and reigning. 
It's like the God of Shira and the God of public opinion. That's what was happening in Gideon's town, right? So it's actually like he's coming against two, at least, right? And so he did that. He cut down, he cut down Paul. And it looked like public opinion had completely turned against him. But I want to tell you this. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And whenever, just like Peter and John, the God of public opinion starts making threats at you. Just like Gideon, when the God of public opinion and the ones that serve the God of public opinion come to you and start threatening you. You feel threatened. You feel intimidated. Remember, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Not long after he chopped that totem pole, that Asherah pole down, 33,000 men came to fight beside him. 33,000 men. Men. They needed a leader. They needed somebody that believed. 33,000 men didn't cut down the Asherah pole. Didn't cut down the totem pole. That was just Gideon and a handful of guys from his house. You, if you want to see the blessing of God in your life, you got to believe. You got to believe in God like never before. And then you got to believe in who God has said you are. And then you will have the faith to cut down idols in your life. And when you do, you're going to see, only after you cut the idols down, people come to support you in the dream God has given you. Resources come to support you in the dream God has given you. Momentum come behind you in the dream that God has given to you. Open doors come. Sometimes when we're hitting glass ceilings and closed doors, closed doors, closed doors, I feel like all these doors are slammed shut. And I, I, but I feel like I have a dream from God. Check the idols. Sometimes God takes us through seasons like these that he's saying, look, let's take account. Let's, let's go through our life. Let's look. If, is there anything that's kind of gotten up on the same level? Something that has eclipsed who God is to us. Gideon, Gideon believes. He cuts down the idol. And he receives the victory. And this cycle repeats over and over for us in our lives. God wants to put us to put our faith in him. And our faith rises to a new level. God exposes a new idol. We cut down the idol. We receive the next level of blessing. We see the miraculous and the cycle repeats itself because sometimes we don't even realize that there's come something like the public opinion, the God of public opinion that it sneaks in. It's impossible to serve God and serve public opinion. It's impossible to serve God and anything else. So we must cut down any other God in our life then God will give us the blessing, give us the victory 
but only after we have believed and cut down any idols. And it's our choice. This is one of the things that is so impressive about God and is often misunderstood in our world. And it comes from Deuteronomy 11. If you get this, this is going to help you make your faith defensible. When you talk to people that have misconceptions about God, God lays it out for us. God always gives us a choice. Right? Say this with me. God always gives me a choice. Listen to what he says. Look, today I am giving you the choice between a blessing and a curse. You will be blessed if you obey the commands of the Lord your God that I am giving you today. But you will be cursed if you reject the commands of the Lord your God and turn away from him and worship gods you have not known before. So, it's not a judgmental God that's looking down and is unfair. It's a loving God that says you have a choice. From the very beginning in the Garden of Eden, we had two trees and we had a choice. All along, we've had a choice. It's never been unfair. He's never been judgmental. There's always been a choice. And so he says, you can choose my way that will lead you to blessings and opportunities. Or you can rebel against my ways and worship other things and other gods and your path will be everything but blessed. It will be difficult. It will be riddled with problems and pain and heartache and tragedy. God's way is not exempt from suffering, but in the end, it is a blessed life. If you serve God, every day won't be easy. And there will still be pain. But there will also be joy. There will also be fulfillment. There will be life and life more abundantly. There is no other God that can promise that. Not the God of public opinion, not the God of money, not the God of business, not the God of anything else. Deuteronomy 11, God says, you choose the path you want to walk. One is blessed, one is cursed. It's your choice. It's my choice. It's our choice. God wants the very best for you. But he won't force it on you. God wants the best for you, but he won't force it on you. God knows the plan he has for you, plans to prosper you, but he's not going to force his plan on you. He has blessed us with free will, and it is our choice who we will serve. Will you bow your heads and let me pray for you today? God, I thank you, Father. I thank you for loving us enough to give us a choice and loving us enough to show us and point to this and encourage us to take the path of righteousness, the path that leads to fulfillment and abundance and life more abundantly. God, I thank you that you would encourage each and every one of us to believe to cut down idols in our lives 
so that we can get to the place that you've always wanted to get us to, the place of blessing. God, I thank you, Lord, for each and every person that's here. God, you know exactly what their journey is looks like exactly what they're wrestling with. Maybe it's the God of public opinion. Maybe it's a different thing. Maybe it's something they've elevated. Maybe it's a priority that they've put on the same level or higher than you. But God, I pray, Lord, that they would be stirred in their heart, in their spirit, to have such faith to cut anything out that's separating them from you. God, we want to be in relationship with you. Number one, because that's a reward. That is the great reward, is to be in relationship with you. We understand indirectly when we're connected to you, we are connected to your promises. We are connected to your blessings. And so, God, this is the path that you've designed for us. And this is the path that you desire for us, God. But it is a path that there's no other gods. It's just you. God, as we go on this journey, as we continue to meditate on this throughout this month, God, Lord, put the spotlight on anything that we need to change. Put the spotlight on anything we need to cut out. Put the spotlight on anything we need to surrender. Put the spotlight on anything else we need to deprioritize so we can prioritize you to the place you need to be in our lives. And as we're praying, heads are bowed, maybe you say, Pastor, I'm not where I need to be with Jesus. I've kind of stepped away. I've kind of deprioritized him. And I want to put him in his proper place in my life. I, I want that. I want that. I want that. If that's you, slip up your hand. I want to pray with you right where you are. Amen. Amen. You say, Pastor, I've kind of drifted in my faith and I need to I need to get back to that place where Jesus is at the center. If that's you, just slip your hand up. Amen, amen, amen. If you lifted your hand, I want you to say this prayer with me. And everybody, you can say this with us. Jesus, I want you to be the center. The center of my life. Jesus, I'm sorry for the times I put something else in the center. I realize I need you. I am incomplete without you. I surrender my life, my ways, my thoughts, my plans to your plan. Jesus, I need you. Show me the way. Help me be more like you. Every day, a little bit more. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening. If you like this podcast, remember to share and subscribe. For more information or to connect with us, go to hopeunited.church. And remember, if God is with you, you will be undefeated.